Hello and welcome on to another episode here of the ISO Ball Podcast with your host, Derek Terrio, your place to learn about the NBA on and off the court. So here we've got a Game 4 review podcast here, the Toronto Raptors taking the second game in Oracle Arena, winning Game 4, 105 to 102, or sorry, 105 to 92 for the Toronto Raptors, and this this was a shocker. This, this to me, proved and showed a lot about what the Toronto Raptors are made of in this game. I think most people thought that, hey, Golden State kind of against the ropes on this one. They need to win this game, and Toronto absolutely came out and just shocked the Golden State Warriors on both ends of the floor. So let's 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 dive into this real quick. So Warrior starters, the same as last game. Curry, Thompson, Iguodala, Draymond Green, DeMarcus Cousins. Raptors starters, starters also the same. Kyle Lowry, Danny Green, Kawhi Leonard, Pascal Siakam, and Marcus Holt. So let's go through it quarter by quarter. And at the end, I've got some big overall takeaways. Uh, a bit of a rant here from the series uh, as a whole through game through game four. But let's let's start off quarter by quarter here. So in the first quarter, this this game looked drunk <laughs> to me to start the game. Very sloppy start on both sides. Um, specifically on Golden State side, Cousins had all three turnovers to start for the Golden State Warriors, and the Raptors were turning it over themselves, just kind of just throwing the ball all over the court. This game definitely looked sloppy. And Steph Curry hit a three, uh, nice kind of friendly bounce on a three that really opened up the scoring with 9.40 to go in the first quarter. So two two minutes, two minutes and 20 seconds before anybody scored. It kind of gives you an idea of how sloppy it was to start. Um, the Raptors were overall getting pretty good looks to start in the first uh, the first quarter. The just the shots didn't just didn't go down. Specifically, there was two good looks in the right corner, one for Green, one from Siakam that just didn't go down. And the Raptors started two of ten to start this game, and mostly off pretty good looks. I thought they got into the paint a little bit, got some uh, opportunities there that just didn't go down, and a couple of threes that obviously just didn't go down. I believe they they started zero of five from downtown as well. Another thing from the Raptors side, it, it seemed to me that the Raptors really had a plan. They're gonna run pick and roll with Demarcus Cousins every single time down when he was on the floor. So with Cousins guarded anybody who was guarding Cousins, or who sorry anybody who Cousins was guarding would come up and set the screen either for Kawhi or for Kyle Lowry, and they would just continue to run pick and roll, and they were generating a lot of good looks off of that. Uh, they were hitting the roll man uh, for some opportunities, and Lowry also got a nice floater uh, attacking Demarcus downhill as well. And overall, the Raptors' offense just pushing the pace. Pushing the pace often. Very similar to how Draymond does it for Golden State where he'll take the ball and push it down the court. Basically, whether it was Lowry or whether it was uh, Pascal Siakam or Kawhi Leonard, they were mostly Lowry and Siakam, I would say, but they were, they were just pushing the pace down the court, trying to see if they could get anything early, early and often. Um, the Warriors, on the other hand, their looks were, I'd say, solid when they actually did get those looks. Now, there was still a lot of good Raptors defense where they just forced turnovers and were in the passing lanes, uh, ripped balls away from some of the Warriors. And when the Warriors did get a, a shot at the rim, there was a lot, there was a lot of decent looks. I would say a lot of, a couple of good looks from three that just didn't go down. Some from Curry and some from the other, uh, Golden State shooters who just were abysmal in this game. We'll get to that, uh, later in the pod, but, uh, they had some good looks at the rim. Um, a few good layups, a couple three point good looks. 
But despite those good looks, they started out with four turnovers, did Golden State. Four turnovers in their first six possessions. And then with 4.06 to go in the first, it's 17-10 to for the Warriors. And to this point, I still think the Raptors had gotten a lot of good looks uh, through ball movements, uh, through some pick-and-roll actions. They just, the, the threes just didn't fall for them. They were 1 of 7 to 3 from 3 to that point, and 3 of 13 from the field with 4.06 to go. And the Warriors, I thought, just continued to look... They got some good shots, but I wouldn't say as good of looks as the Raptors. I thought they were just a little more contested, a little tougher to you know finish over some of the Raptors' length. But they were seven of fourteen uh, through four oh six to go uh, in the first quarter. So Kawhi Leonard on the Raptors side had just absolutely been carrying them. He had nine of the first twelve points to that point. And on the other side, the Warriors' defense in the paint was looking very good. The Raptors were having a lot of trouble in that first quarter getting into the paint and getting good shots um, as the quarter went on. They started off getting some good looks, but most of their good looks came from three, and they were having a lot of trouble actually getting some good looks in the paint and at the rim. And after the first quarter... Uh, the Warriors 23-17 to lead, but Kawhi Leonard had 14 of the 17 Raptor first quarter points. He was absolutely dominant getting to, getting to his spots. In this game, he really didn't get to the rim really at all. It was a lot of looks in the mid-range, a lot of little floaters, uh, a lot of th- a lot of three point attempts for him, and he basically just did not get to the rim, and that's a credit to you know maybe the one stretch of Golden State defense that was good in this game. And there, trust me, there weren't too many. But from there, I thought Kawhi was, you know, and getting to the free throw line as well, Kawhi was just a really, really uh, driving force for the Raptors in that first quarter. Obviously, 14 of the first 17 points uh, for the Raptors there. And it was just really a bad offensive showing for the Raptors in the first quarter. Just couldn't get anything going. So Kawhi Leonard was 5 of 7 from the field in the first, and the Raptors 1 of 13 uh, the rest of the Raptors, one of 13, everybody not named Kawhi Leonard. So that gives you a pretty good <laughs> idea of what was going on. So second quarter here, steady diet continued of the pick and rolls going at Cousins whenever he was in the game. Um, and Serge was a, a force on the glass, in my opinion. Big time force on the glass, and he was excellent in this game. We'll get to that as well. Uh, with a couple nice putbacks, a couple nice offensive rebounds. Also hit a nice step back jump, little step back jumper over Cousins, uh, which was you know really surprising to see. Long two there from Ibaka eight, with 8.55 to go in the second quarter. The one place that Golden State really was getting the Raptors was on the glass. Golden State, uh, with 7.30 left in the second quarter, was up 22-11 to 11, uh, in rebounds. And that was really a lot of where they were, uh, you know, kind of getting their points. Limiting Toronto to one shot and also getting uh, offensive rebounds on the other side when Toronto just, you know, failed to box out at times. Uh, another play that really stuck out to me was a nice little Lowry Siakam pick and roll that gets Siakam an and one after Bogus trying to play that drop coverage, uh, which was intended to try to get back to Pascal and just never did. He gets the he gets the score to thirty five to thirty for Golden State with five forty two left, and that's just kind of one of those plays that highlights how Toronto was very effective in pick and roll. And again, we'll talk more about that later in the pod after I get to the takeaways. Uh, the Raptors, for just a little stretch there, decided to go big, I guess, after that 22-11 uh, rebounding disparity. Nick Nurse tried to go a little bit bigger with Gasol and Ibaka in the front court to kind of compound that Golden State Warriors uh, you know, rebounding uh, 
a rebounding uh, surplus that they were getting. Um, it did get them a putback from Ibaka, but then automatically right away got burned by five Clay Thompson uh, points in transition. He got... Uh, one corner three that he was running off in transition, and then one post up where he hit the shot right over Lowry. Klay uh, Thompson was absolutely excellent in this game. Again, we'll get to him when we do the takeaways. So, but it just seemed like any time Golden State would try and pull away, uh, the Raptors just seemed to have an answer. Seemed to want to get, seemed to be able to keep it close, either with a stop or good ball movement. They just never seemed to let the game get away from them in the second quarter. And Golden State Warriors at uh, ten turnovers. Uh, at the half, and their second the second quarter score was twenty five to twenty three for Toronto, and the halftime score forty six to forty two for Golden State. So at halftime, the Toronto Raptors thirty four point one percent from the field, fifteen of forty four from the field, and on the other side, Golden State forty seven percent from the field, twenty one of forty four, and it felt like. Golden State slightly outplayed Toronto in the first half. Um, you, given the shooting disparity, I think what kind of I didn't what I what I kind of thought and made me think that Golden State really didn't outplay Toronto significantly was the quality of shots that the Toronto Raptors were getting uh, that just did, didn't go down for whatever reason. Uh, but I think the ju- the the lead that Golden State had, the four point lead, was justified that they they were they were the better team to me in at least the first half. At least the first half. But Toronto just shot so bad. To be only down four was was very fortunate for them. So let's go to the third quarter here. Fred Van Vliet comes in to start uh, in place of Danny Green once again. Just like ha- happened in game three. But right away, Kawhi Leonard comes down. Hits two massive threes right out of the gate. Both uh, from above the break. Eight And Toronto, eight straight points on three possessions to start. And then the Warriors did answer with five straight points of their own. So there was a Curry three, uh, which was his first of the game that came in the third quarter. And then an, another um, uh, another floater from Cousins uh, that got him an and one, although he missed the free throw. But despite that, the Raptors' defense, again, continued to be very solid. Rotating, recovering, moving on a string, communicating at a high level, making sure that every shot was tough. They were doing it all quarter long, and it was it was just extremely impressive. Specifically, there was a possession with 425 where Serge Ibaka, at the end of the sequence with a massive block, he comes down and hits a transition three. You can just tell that the Warriors were having just a tough time getting anything to, that was considered a, a good look for um, for for any of their players, and again, we'll talk about you know some of the deficiencies of the role players in this game. But despite that, Clay Thompson continued to get actions coming off of screens. That's I think the one area where Toronto did have a little bit of trouble defending. And I mean, every team's going to have trouble defending uh, two elite shooters in Curry and Thompson running off your screens and being able to use that gravity to hit the roll man or to just get over the screen. And when a guy like Clay Thompson needs just a sliver of space to get his shot off, he it is very tough to defend. So he was continuing to cook off of screens. He had 22 uh, with two big threes in the third quarter with five minutes to go uh, in the third quarter. And then for, a th- for three possessions, Toronto went back to that box and won. Uh, that we saw in game at the end of game two, and they went for, it for to it for about three possessions, and Golden State, Golden State, sorry, Golden State scored two total points off of those three possessions, and then they just they they niched it. They went right back to their man-to-man defense, but that just goes to show you Nick Nurse making a lot of adjustments on the fly. He's really improved as a coach, getting ahead of these adjustments. You you've seen in the past. 
It took him maybe a little bit too long to put Kawhi Leonard uh, onto Giannis against that Buck series uh, in Game 3 after they had gone down 2-0. Maybe uh, t- took a little bit long to realize that, you know, the uh, Norm-Fred Van Vliet-Ibaka combination wasn't working against the Sixers uh, in, the se- in the second round. But you see that Nick Nurse getting a, a really... Getting ahead of these adjustments instead of kind of being reactionary, being proactive, and that's again the case of starting Fred Van Vliet in, in the third uh, at the start of the third instead of Danny Green. I thought he really improved as a coach throughout the year, and specifically in this series where he was just really doing a great coaching job, putting the Raptors in a great position to do well. Um, Kawhi continued to dominate in this quarter. Uh, Ibaka as well had a massive impact that was definitely most felt in the third. And at the end of the third quarter, after, you know, Kawhi had hit a couple, I think six points at the end of the third quarter, all off mid-range jumpers, the third quarter score was 37-21 to for the Toronto Raptors. Kawhi Leonard, 17 points in that third quarter after a flurry at the end of the third. I mentioned those six points. And after three, the score is 79-67 to for the Toronto Raptors after the third quarter. So going into the fourth, Serge Ibaka continues to be incredible, finishing around the paint, protecting the rim. He was undoubtedly, to me, the second best player uh, behind Kawhi Leonard tonight, although Kawhi, or Kyle Lowry was a close third. And that gets to Kyle Lowry here because Kyle Lowry in the third quarter was absolutely fantastic putting his uh, putting his teammates in positions to score. He was finding dimes all over the floor, hitting uh, guys in the pick and roll. One was Siakam, most of those assists going to Serge Ibaka, had a nice drive and kick to hit, uh, I believe it was Kawhi Leonard in the corner, Uh, a nice touch pass in that fourth quarter as well, where uh, Ibaka kind of hit Lowry on the short roll, and then Lowry with a beautiful, subtle little fake pass into the, uh, he he faked the pass like he was going into the dunker spot to Siakam, and it allowed two guys, I think it was Draymond and Iguodala, to overreact just a uh, basically a step where then Kyle flings it right back to Ibaka and Ibaka goes in for a dunk. I can't stress enough how good Kyle Lowry was as a passer in the fourth quarter. He really, really uh, was putting his uh, teammates in a position to succeed and getting them easy looks. Uh, on the Warriors side, they really never got it to single digits other than for a brief moment. I mean, there was a stretch where they had four free throws and they missed three of them uh, when they were down just 10. That could have cut it to seven. And the Warriors' free throw shooting on the night was 14 of 21 uh, on free throws for the night. The fourth quarter score, 26 to 25 for Toronto. And the final, 105 to 92 for the Toronto Raptors. So this is the the meat of the pod and just kind of what I want to take away for four games in this series. The Toronto Raptors did a great job in this game of helping the helper, which basically is when Curry would drive to the left, basically Toronto would show two bodies at him and then have that third defender on the weak side kind of sink down to the roller. And what that would do is it would make Curry kind of have to make a decision. Am I going to throw that skip pass over to the weak side in the three to the to three uh, for a lot of Golden State shooters who just aren't really capable three point shooters, or am I going to have to try and kick the pass out back to the top and reset our offense? And when Steph Curry would make that skip pass, that third defender helping uh, the helper who was doubling uh, Steph Curry would anticipate. 
do a great job of anticipating that skip pass and run that shooter right off the line and either yeah run him off the line and force him to drive into the Toronto help or force the the pass back out to the top to reset their offense. I thought they did a great job of that. And basically what that showed to me is how connected this Toronto Raptors defense really is, understanding what their responsibilities are. And this leads me to my bigger point, kind of a rant here, is this Raptors defense is spectacular. I mean, many, including myself, before this series said that this was the best defense that Golden State has ever faced, and I think that this has come true uh, through four games in this series. It definitely came true tonight. They're communicating, and their personnel fits every situation. You, They can go small, They can, and they have an answer for everything. They can go big. We've seen that for a little bit when they went with the Gasol and Ibaka front court. And they're doing all this, and we haven't even seen any of these Pascal Siakam at the five minutes uh, that some predicted we might see in this series, uh, given the fact that they thought, you know, matching the Draymond Green at center minutes, putting Siakam at the five might be the answer. And this Toronto Raptors team defensively has just zero holes, and I mean zero. There is not a single player on this Toronto roster that Golden State can just decide to go at or attack defensively. Every single those single one of those nine guys, and I'll name them off. Kyle Lowry, very, very good defender. We know he can body up on bigger players. We know he's a great team defender, putting himself getting charges. Danny Green, great at running off of screens. Uh, great one-on-one defender. Great transition defender. Kawhi Leonard, nothing needs to be said about Kawhi Leonard and his defense. Pascal Siakam, long-rangey defender, can switch on to guards, able to contest things at the rim. His length bothers mid-range shots. Marcus Gasol, an incredibly heady defender, is in the is in the right place at the right time, great in the pick-and-roll, isn't the most mobile guy, but we saw in Game 1 what he was able to do in the pick-and-roll, getting hands on passes. And his basketball IQ is absolutely through the roof. Off the bench, Fred Van Vliet chasing Steph Curry around screens, able to play one-on-one defense against Steph Curry. We we talked about how he was the best defender on Steph Curry in this series, chasing him around screens and making Steph work for everything he got. Uh, let's go uh, Serge Ibaka. Six blocks last game. His ability to play as a help defender and in t- at times switch uh, onto you know some perimeter players and hold up at least uh, competently at times is very good. He is a rim protector. We know that he has led the league in blocks in his OKC days. In his Magic days, he was very good. And with Toronto, has been a great shot blocker. Even Norm Powell who probably is the weaker of these uh, nine guys I'm about to mention, is still a competent defender, still a guy that's going to give effort, gets down in a stance, really uh, doesn't doesn't get lost off the ball, really is able to at least play one-on-one against his guy. And then finally, Pat McCaw, who barely saw any minutes in this series, is known for his defense. That's why he comes off the bench. He is the guy that is able, you can throw him on uh, guys for a few minutes, and we've seen him be put on Clay Thompson for a few minutes in this series, and has done a competent job. So, all nine of those guys, just, you can't attack them defensively. The Raptors are such a good one-on-one and team defense, and they're elite on those ends. There's a guy all the way from average in Norm Powell's case, all the way up to elite in Kawhi Leonard's case. And they play great individual defense, they play great team defense as well. And I guess this is also a good opportunity to say... How wrong I was about my preseason prediction. Not just about the, you know, picking Golden State in six, but also when I said that the Warriors lineups would dictate the Raptors lineups, that has just been so, so wrong. And I almost feel very stupid for even saying that. The Raptors have dictated everything about this series. They have, uh, 
they have played Golden State players out of lineups, in some cases off the floor. In the case of Jonas Derebko, they've played Boogie Cousins right off the floor. Uh, Andrew Bogut has shown, you know, playing that drop pick and roll coverage, he was having trouble in pick and roll. And whether it's Cousins, Derebko, or Bogut at times, and some of these Warriors starters have also been prone to mistakes as well. Like in this game, there was an opportunity, not an opportunity, but uh, an instance where Curry helped one pa pass away off Danny Green in the corner. I mean, Danny Green of all people, this guy is a shooter. You can't just help one pass away with Klay Thompson being the primary defender on the driver. And so... This Raptors defense has just been spectacular, and if they win this series, uh, obviously they're up 3-1 now, have a, have a great chance to do so. If they win this series, it's going to be about the fact that they were an elite defense. Their defense was just absolutely spectacular, and the, the Golden State offense, you know, they scored 109 through the first three games, 92 tonight. They just weren't able to get going against this Raptor defense, and obviously the Raptors offense was excellent as well. They were able to carve up this Golden State defense through a lot of different actions. And I guess that brings me to the Golden State defense. It's It just hasn't been good enough in this series and in this game either. Uh, they allowed Toronto to get way too many wide open threes. Uh, even though those shots didn't go down in the first quarter, they're still good looks. Just because you miss a wide open shot doesn't mean that's good defense. And they also had trouble defending pick and roll uh, through game three and game four. And in times of game two and one. Um, either the roll man was able to get an easy bucket or the big sag too far back and they got a three hit on their head. They had so some sequences where they were solid on defense, but they just didn't have, Golden State just didn't have enough of those sustained stretches, enough to slow down what was proving to be a very potent offense for Toronto. Um, in the case of DeMarcus Cousins, he was a clear negative in Game 4. Uh, once again, like he was in Game 3. And yet, Kintur, uh, Steve Kerr continued to give him minutes. And it cost it cost them in that first stretch of the third quarter. He shouldn't have been out there on the floor. And I think uh, Nate Duncan asked about why he was giving DeMarcus Cousins minutes. Uh, maybe it was Nate Duncan. It might have been somebody else. But he, Kerr just talked a lot about how he puts trust in his players he doesn't like to you know pull guys and change lineups and make in-game adjustments like that shooting down the confidence of, uh, of of his players but I mean in this case I think the right decision was to go to Kavon Looney to start the third quarter I mean Kavon Looney was the best center in this game for the Golden State Warriors and just the fact that he was able to make it back after what we thought was like a fractured collarbone I believe it was begged uh, the Warriors to go out and get a second opinion they did and he was able to come back and prove like he was the best center of Cousins, Bogut and Looney. Looney was the best center in this game and I mean that just the the defense for Golden State just wasn't good enough to me in this game and really hasn't been throughout the series in my opinion. Another portion I want to talk about is we really have underestimated how good this Raptor team really is, specifically on offense. They have excellent offensive principles. Nick Nurse is an offensive coach. He was the offensive coordinator when Dwayne Casey was there for uh, a good amount of time. And they have great offensive principles, rooted in ball movement and finding the best shot. You heard Kawhi say after the game, he doesn't want to play hero ball. He just wants to play to win games. He doesn't play for the fans. He plays for the sport of basketball and, and for himself because he loves the game. And yet, despite his reluctance to play this hero ball, he still finds a way to get 36 points on 50% shooting all within the flow of the offense. And 
Lowry and Van Vliet are just such underrated playmakers. I mean, you don't think of these guys as high-level or elite passers, but these guys are high-level passers in the case of Lowry and Van Vliet. Uh, they are just excellent at running pick and roll. You saw at times Van Vliet was able to take advantage of the big man in pick and roll and find the roll man. Kyle Lowry, as I described in the fourth quarter, hitting the roll man to Pascal, driving and kicking, finding uh, guys in the corner, the touch pass uh, in the fourth quarter back to uh, back to Ibaka after he made an excellent fake uh, passing, uh, excellent uh, pass fake going down to Siakam in the dunker spot and then found Ibaka uh, on the touch pass. These guys are just great passers and they're just getting the ball in spots where it needs to be on the floor in which those specific players, whether it be an Ibaka jumper, Danny Green corner three, Pascal Siakam rim run, Pascal Siakam mid-ranger, they're getting the ball to spots on the floor in which those specific players shooting the shots are in a position to make those shots and it's it's just it's just been impressive uh on offense for the Toronto uh, for the Toronto Raptors on on the Golden State Warriors offensive side they're still running good ball movement but this is a top heavy team and we and this is not news to anybody um case in point as Kevin Pelton pointed out on a real GM uh real GM radio pod with Danny LaRue every single player coming off the bench for Golden State is making the minimum uh it's it's insanity i mean i think i think uh, Kevon Looney still in his rookie scale rookie scale but i mean clay and curry are elite great shooters some of the greatest shooters we've ever seen after that who are these knockdown shooters who are these guys shooting the ball Hitting three-pointers that you can rely on. Iguodala, McKinney, Cousins, Cook, Livingston, Draymond. None of these guys are reliable three-point shooters. And it's easy. It's so easy for Toronto to just live with the results of those guys shooting the ball and being able to help off those guys. And we saw it at times. The the Toronto Raptors were doubling Klay Thompson post-ups. They're doubling Steph Curry after he comes off of screens. It's the only thing that seemed to be consistent consistently working for Golden State was when Curry and Thompson would run off those screens and use their gravity to allow the screener to slip to the rim and get opportunities that way or they were able to get a good screen from the screeners and get enough open space to rise up and shoot their shot and as we know guys like Curry and Thompson are such great shooters they don't need much airspace to be able to get their shot off but other than those little pin down actions they don't seem to have any bread and butter actions and part of the reason is because there are no individually bad defenders on Toronto like we talked about and going back to that shooting on offense clay was six of ten from three he had a great game curry two of nine from three he had some good looks they just wasn't able to get them to drop and the rest of the warriors oh of eight from downtown not a single warrior not named clay thompson or steph curry made a three i mean that's that's the game right there eight of 27 from downtown for the golden state warriors for 29 percent unbelievable and the last thing I got here on Toronto is that I have been unbelievably impressed by their, po- their by their poise. They are not afraid of this Golden State Warrior team. They are unbelievably poised. Like they were not happy with a, with one win in this series, and they weren't even happy with three wins in this series. There was not a single smile after Game Four in the locker room, according to Cassidy Hubberth. And this team is ridiculously locked in in a way that I've never seen before. This team is knows that, look, they have to win one more game out of three, and they're not taking this for granted. And I, I personally, I mean, 
We've seen Golden State come back from 3-1 before. They, they did it against Oklahoma City, oddly enough, against Kevin Durant's Oklahoma City team. But they had home court in that series. And they really just haven't faced a Raptors team that's just this locked in defensively and in just kind of a, a Mamba mentality type of mode. Like there was a clip that was resurfacing uh, about Kobe, I think the 2009 finals after he went up 2-0. And the reporter asked him, Hey, Kobe, like, you're up too well. I haven't really seen you smile. Like, are you not happy? Like, what's going on? And Kobe says, what's there to be happy about? He said, the reporter says, you're up too well. And Kobe says, job not finished. Job finished? I don't think so. And that's the exact mentality I I see from this Toronto Raptor team. And it, it makes me believe that they're going to win this series. The Toronto Raptors, I think, are going to win this series being up 3-1. Three, three, and if they lose this series and... Golden State comes comes back, and it seems like Kevin Durant's going to be back for Game 5, although we thought he was going to be back for Game 4 and he wasn't, uh, then that will be that will be some epic comeback. But right now, I see no reason to believe why the Golden State Warriors will be coming back in this series. So it, it, it just it is what it is. So last thing here on Toronto, I just want to read out some of the stats here. Kawhi Leonard was dominant in this game. Absolutely dominant. I'll just read off his stat line real quick. He played 40 minutes, 40 minutes and 30 seconds, 11 of 22 from the field for 50% shooting. He was 5 of 9 from 3, 9 of 9 from the free throw line. He had 12 rebounds, 2 assists, 4 steals, and 36 points, uh, uh, th- plus 13 on the floor as well. Uh, 31 of those 36 Kawhi Leonard points came in the first and third quarters, which was excellent. I mentioned Serge Ibaka was excellent in this game. He was the second best player on the floor for the Toronto Raptors. His stat line tonight, 21 minutes, only 21 minutes for Ibaka, but he was 9 of 12, uh, 1 of 1 from 3, 1 of 1 from the free throw line. He had just 4 rebounds, but he had 1 assist, uh, 2 blocks, and 20 points. He was a plus 11 in this game as well. And Kyle Lowry was excellent in this game. Let me read you off the box score stats, which, as usual, don't really tell you much about what Kyle Lowry's night was like. But he had, he was 3 of 12 from the field. Didn't have a great shooting night. 0 of 4 from 3. 4 of 4 from the line. He did have 2 rebounds, 7 assists, 3 steals for just 10 points. But he was a plus 5 in this game as well. And I thought Lowry was just excellent in this game. Again, creating so many crucial buckets in the 4th quarter through his assists. Uh, drive and kick. Uh, passes out of the pick and roll. Touch pass to Ibaka, like I mentioned. He was just absolutely fantastic. So that'll wrap up my Game 4 recap. I mean, this series, uh, in essence, seemed to be over, but I'm not ruling out Golden State right now. I do believe that it is possible, especially with the return of Kevin Durant, that they could come back in this series. And I don't want to say that this series is completely over, but it's going to take an astronomical Herculean effort from the Warriors and some massive wholesale changes for them to come back and win three games in a row, two of which would have to be on Toronto's home court. Uh, I do believe now that Toronto will win this series. I think they are quite obviously the favorites. Whether or not they close it out in 5, 6, or 7, I don't know. But given how poised they are, given the momentum they're coming off of and just don't seem to be happy with three wins out of four in the NBA Finals, I think that there is a good chance that Toronto will close this out at home in Game 5 and become... NBA champions taking down a dynasty. And can we just take can we just take in that Kawhi Leonard ended the dynasty of the Miami Heat 
from you know 2010 to 2014 and or sorry 2011 to 2014 and now he's ending the golden state warriors dynasty from 2015 to 2019 right, can we just can we just take this in i mean it's impressive he's a dynasty killer <laughs> he's a Kawhi leonard is a dynasty killer and it's 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 truly just spectacular and unbelievable and uh who knows whether or not this will affect his decision in free agency you gotta believe that he's gonna take a take into account the fact that he won a championship with this team into his decision about whether he'll stay or not but that's here nor there the toronto raptors still have one more game to win against golden state and we'll see uh, how long that takes so thank you for listening, everybody. Much appreciated. This has been a great series so far. I've really, I've really enjoyed it. Not just because I'm a Raptors fan, but just some of the tactical things I thought were have just been really enjoyable to watch. This podcast will probably come out before I do the Twitter thread. Uh, so you'll probably see the Twitter thread after you hear this podcast. But I will post. Uh, the podcast at the bottom of the Twitter thread link so you can listen to it afterward. Again, if you haven't check, checked out my Twitter page, at IsoBallPod, I-S-O-B-A-L-L-P-O-D. I've been doing Twitter threads after each and every game, games one, two, and three of things that I've saw of over, you know, uh, 30 clips uh, of about, you know, depending on the clip, like 5 to 15 seconds each, just with a little breakdown of what that play was like, what I saw, the implications, uh, things of that nature. So please go check that out. I, I think that's a great uh, visual supplement to this podcast in case I sometimes mix up my words or you like kind of a visual representation of what I'm talking about. That's a great way to go and check it out. Thanks, everybody. We'll be back for Game 5. And you can expect the same podcast for Game 5 and the same Twitter thread for Game 5 as well. We'll talk and see you hopefully soon.